0: Welcome to episode one hundred and forty-two of Together BHA. Uh, we are the gang back together, uh, not on the west coast, uh, Craig. Not Adam, anymore. Are we?
1: Good, thank you, mate. Yeah, good. Um, it, I think the heart rate's just about gone down as we're as we're streaming and recording this. So, uh, so yeah. How about you, Adam?
2: Uh, look, when we are above Manchester City in the table, um, there's nothing can rain on this parade it's wonderful
0: <laughs> it was uh we, we're recording right after the game as well so uh, as adam said before we started recording this today we are in a situation where none of the major stat dumps have really taken place so it's really just going to be kind of winging it um we have the basics of course but not the juicy stuff that you can get off of the uh, the super nerd website so starting off with <coughs> let's start where we always start lineup wise um, any idea what kind of formation we actually played today, especially in that first half? A uh, couple of changes that were made. Um, we brought back in Solly March uh, for who was it that we missed out on? Oh, the injured Adam Webster. Um, and I think that was just it. Uh, the rest of all was pretty much the same. Um, who scored has us playing a three at the back with Dunk Duffy and Veltman as the centre halves. Um, Not entirely sure that's what we saw in real time. Uh, Craig, what do you make of it? Because I'm I'm still not sure. (laughs) It did did look, yeah. I mean, it looked like a back four at times,
1: especially in the first half, with Veltman being more out on the right. Um, You had March way up on the right-hand side, um, which sort of insinuated that, you know, he was sort of left at right back, Veltman, and then after 17 minutes, immediately got a yellow card. And then suddenly March was, uh, you know, I guess, more responsible in dropping back to, to help him out against Harvey Barnes. So it was odd. Um, I think it did look like a back four at the most of the times until deep into the second half when Dan Byrne came on. Um, but, you know, contrary to, to what we talk about and how, you know, we've seen the back four, especially at Burnley, be almost a failed experiment, and it was completely the opposite today. And it seemed to work wonders. And after a, a quick flurry from Leicester in the first five, ten minutes, we seemed to control the entire half.
2: Um, one quick thing before we talk about the formation, or carry on from what Craig said, but I agree with you. Um, think, think about how just a couple of episodes ago, like a couple of weeks ago, we we're sort of everyone was obsessively talking about Darwin, Nunez, Odson, Edward. Nicholas Gonzalez I saw people talking about bringing Tevez in um (laughs) do you think those discussions were were warranted at this point we sat third in the league anyway amazing uh formation all I know is that there are 11 players on the pitch at the start of the game (laughs) um but there was a lot of debate this week about what we play um and I thought we'd play four at the back just because of personnel um and I and and it did seem like that, right? Because I think when we when we saw the lineup before the game and we saw Kukurea and March, everyone just assumed, well, we're going to play five at the back, March will play on the right-hand side. But he was pushed so far up, wasn't he? Uh, and it, it almost seemed like you know, Kukurea was a little bit further back. March was in line with the likes of Welbeck and Trossard all f- further up the pitch. So to me, it felt like we were playing a sort of four-two-three-one. it seemed like, for, for most of the first half and, and to the start of the second. And as you say, when Dan Byrne came up, we had, you know, 10 men behind the ball while we dealt with an onslaught from Leicester.
0: Yeah, that second half was a bit easier to dissect in terms of how we set up, uh, especially when we made that substitution. Uh, But yeah, I agree with you. I mean, we were just talking, Pascal Gross played that same position a couple of games ago where he was miles up on the right-hand side, but was also supposed to be right wing back. Um, And Solly really played that role today, I think. And I think it always helps when you're a bit quicker than Pascal to be able to really stretch people uh, at at their wing-back spot. But, you know, it was pretty much the same, a like-for-like side. Um, And some big boosts on the bench as well that need to be talked about. Dan Byrne came back, did a great job coming in. Mwepu back from his COVID uh, absence as well. And then, of course, the big one, uh, Aaron Connolly. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, uh, Tarek Lamptey. Back on the bench a week and a half earlier than expected to be match fit, match fit. I know that Graham was hoping he may be able to make the bench against Swansea, but he's already back, so you would think he may well play a role midweek. How how big of a boost is it going to be to be able to genuinely start playing the likes of Lamptey and Kukurea on on each side of the pitch?
1: I mean, it's just... Yeah, I, we've been waiting a long while for that, right? In, in terms of just the way that Lamptey sort of just, I guess, burst onto the scene, especially beginning of last year, um, or last season, should I say. Um, it, it gives us another option in, in terms of, you know, we saw, I, I personally was worried about Veltman getting a yellow card in like the 17th minute. And yeah. I was like, okay, like, he does need to be careful against what I think is one of the best young players in the prep. So it... It gives us a different dimension and we'll, we'll get onto to Kukurea in a bit. But even the thought of having Kukurea on the left and Lamptey on the right is something that I can't wait to see personally.
2: Uh, I think we'd have possibly seen Lamptey in the second half if we were down. Um, but obviously there was no chance we were bringing him on to that. Maelstrom in, in the second half. And and the point about Gross is absolutely correct. We talked about, I think, you know, there's a discussion midweek on, on the Brian and Hove Albion Reddit, uh, the subreddit, and, and things like that. We were never going to play Pascal Gross against uh you know, at Barnes uh, or or, or Jakub Moda Motor against Madison or however it worked out. And you even saw with, with Kukure in the second half that, that the sort of damage that, that the likes of Lookman could do with that pace on, on the wing. Um but I thought I thought Veltman was pretty outstanding considering he got that early yellow card because I was panicked as well. I was like, oh my God, we're gonna have to he's gonna have to come off at some point early in the second half or we're gonna be screwed here.
0: Yeah, I thought the same thing. As soon as that one came on and Harvey Barnes looked well up for it, although argument argument's sake, he could be our man of the match today um, when we get to that point. Uh, um, but the other thing I think that was was really worth talking about was the fact that we. this is the first game all season we were, it wasn't even close, we were dominated in possession. And we talked just last week that Last week was Brentford's first game where they were dominated in possession by us, and we both clearly adapted in very different ways. Um, We were a team that obviously are well-known for dominating the ball for long stretches of the the game, and and Leicester, funnily enough, are usually known for their kind of sharp counter-attacking prowess, and, and that's generally when chances seem to show up more for them today as well. Are we starting to see a Graham Potter that can pretty much adapt to anything and put in front of him currently so far because we've seen a lot of different styles of play um and there has been arguments for the last two seasons that he's still learning and Potter loves to say how much he's still learning uh but he's played five very different teams set out very differently um and you know we've taken 12 points off of five games so do you think that we're starting to see a genuine growth and and a turn of the corner for Graham despite the fact that I already think he's great but
1: yeah, I mean, I I think exactly the same. I don't I don't think, and on the commentary, obviously here in the US as well, they just getting to that adaptability and the versatility of the players that we've got coming in. Um, it just it just feels like a group that just knows each other more and more, and it's grown into you know this sort of team that we've got. Um, I mean, yeah, I I don't really have much more to say. I just yeah, I'm I'm with you that Potter is, you know. One of the best, one of the best, well, I say young, but one of the best managers tactically in terms of what we're doing. Um and the results have, have shown it. I think it was a tale of two halves today. I don't think we can read too much into the possession stats because I think if you if you dissect that half by half, obviously that was going to happen. Um but yeah, I obviously I, I think Potter's grown into that and he knows the team now. He's had what, two seasons with the the core of this squad. I think he knows what he's got and he's he's getting the best out of them.
2: There's a few interesting things that sort of occurred with this with the tactical approach. We've already talked about how he you, you know changed things up for the first half here. I think one of the things that keeps confusing me is the first 5 10 minutes of every single game that we play, maybe bar Watford. We look completely lost. Um, and and I know that's crazy to say that considering what an amazing performance and result we've had here and where we are in the league. But I hang on for dear life in those first five, to minutes because we can't sit the ball down and, and and actually string some passes together. I think that's an area where I'd like to see him improve a little bit to get the players motivated and calm in, in at the start of these games. But the modifications and changes he made were, were fantastic. Just even the fact that we had, I mean, we saw what he brought out of Cucurella just in a week of difference. And I thought it was confusing potentially coming into this game based on the opposition we faced because it's hard to know who and what we are at the moment because, you know, we we, we beat Brentford and then Brentford come out and in, in many ways, they had an amazing performance against against Wolves yesterday. Um, we have that struggle against Everton and they lose 3-0 to Aston Villa. So it's hard to really sort of place us uh, in terms of where we're at at the moment. But Potter seems to be up to the task of figuring out how to play against these different sides.
0: Yeah, it was... it. <laughs> Today I think was a really good test for us because I I kind of expected to not get much from Leicester today. Our record recently hasn't been superb. They're a good side, obviously. Um, and it was the next biggest test after Everton, arguably a bigger one. Um and within two weeks we've shown well, I guess three because of the international break, but you know, with just in a couple of weeks we've clearly shown growth in that. Again, Potter has, has understood how to combat specific things, although he didn't do a superb job of combating Harvey Barnes today, similar to the the, the, the Damari Gray stuff, and, and Luckman looked dangerous when he comes on. Also, it feels like Luckman has put on about 15 pounds of muscle since <laughs> I last saw him, by the way. Like, he looked massive today. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I think that before today, it looked like we were a team that were going to beat the teams worse than us and lose to the teams better and finish 12th and i would take i would bite your hand off at that today now it's just like well who the hell knows like if we go to palace on monday and beat them again beating those teams that arguably should be worse than us then you know 15 points from six games is like all right maybe we are actually gonna shock some people this season
2: um i want to jump in just quickly say the fact that there's a little tiny bit extra on on potter's approach yeah we talked throughout this season so far is everything's gone down the right flank. Today was the opposite. We channeled pretty much everything down that left side and we saw Kukura so heavily. We saw Welbeck really heavily, especially in the first half as the outlet for the left-hand side. I don't know if you also noticed, but we were way more direct in our approach. There was a lot less Tiki-taka passing out of the back because we had fewer players in in many ways at the back. We didn't have that five set at the back, so Sanchez and everyone did these little triangles at the back. We just got the ball out. We we cut through that front line of Leicester and we just went straight through to midfield and, and we were way more direct. It was so nice to see that.
0: Yeah, it was it was almost like Tottenham, wasn't it? Back in the day when when Aaron made his name known. Uh as, as to the comment, are you three going to catch a flight back home next spring at the Championship Parade? It all depends on COVID. Uh, we'll, see, we'll see We'll see how the pandemic's doing uh, in in May. We'll um, take Europe
2: we'll take <laughs> as a backup. You know, it's fine.
0: We can celebrate that. Yeah, we can always book tickets to Slovakia or wherever we'll end up being. Um, yeah. That's fine by me as well. Let's talk about the first goal. Uh, we could have been talking about a very different one. Um, and the 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 rise and rise of Shane Duffy um because I think that was absolutely going in the back of the net if it wasn't blocked um handball Yannick Vestergaard yeah or nay
1: it's I mean it's a gray area right in terms of just you you know what Mopé is doing there um and it's more of a case of is it enough of a like impeding Vestergaard in order to do that um I think if if that's gets given against you, you're pissed. Um, if that's given to you, you you say yeah, fair enough, and and you move forward. We've seen enough of those go against us, so I think I'm I'm happy to say you know yeah, okay. I would have been mad if that was against us, but you you take you roll with the punches, don't you? Because that's happened to us before,
2: I, I, and that's the big change that we're seeing. Just into I don't know whether it's a combination of karma, regression to the mean, or luck, but last year this these things don't go our way and it's nice to see that they are but i mean, I think that that you can argue about mope's shithousery a little bit um but you know wonderful it works out nicely for us but you God you can't wave your arm in the penalty box you can't do that as a defender the, the law is pretty clear on how that works the, the 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 official agreed with it the linesman agreed with it it went to var and they agreed with it so i mean I enjoy seeing Gary Lineker having a meltdown, quite
1: frankly, on Twitter, because uh, it, it was the right decision. And I think that, just to go back to that point, in terms of the flailing of the arms as well, in, you know, the, I guess, the the dramatics to try and win that foul against them more than anything else. Um, it's almost like Vestergaard has that element to it as well. Like, just because you yank this arm, it doesn't mean this one goes up. Like, it's, you're not, you're not a puppet. So it, it's more of a case of like well, yeah, we did look like one a little bit. <laughs> if well if you're but if you're gonna, you know, try and dramatize the fact that you're being pulled and and you throw your hand up in the air and the ball hits it, then you know, you, you have to take that as a as a risk from Vestigar's point of view, if that's what he did.
2: Well, oh, and 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 one tiny little bit of added luck there. Uh, is that Vescar maybe wouldn't have started today potentially because uh, Evans was out injured, right? And 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 now we start seeing what we talked about these midweek games that they have potential injuries piling up for these these top sides. Uh, I'll consider Leicester a top side. I think everyone would. That goes in our favour. Maybe Johnny Evans doesn't have that arm swinging around.
1: Yeah, and yeah, touch, touching back to. I think just to bring it back to Shane Duffy in terms of, you know, obviously he made that chance and he gets the FPL assist to to most people's joy. But it, it, in terms of the zonal marking from Leicester clearly was um, a point that gave us basically two goals because the, the second one we're well back, we'll get on to, but the zonal marking against uh, Duffy, Dunk, and, you know, a few other players where we are quite prominent in the air or can be um, Obviously, gave us the advantage today. I, I don't. I've never liked zonal marking, especially from from corners and from free kicks. Um, and our chances came from set pieces today and that zonal marking.
2: Did, did but did we have what marking did we have on like, set pieces on our side? I don't think we had zone or man <laughs> coming that,
1: the other was, way.
0: It sheer, well, I mean, second half was just sheer desperation. <laughs> percent, so, I think you could even argue that this season. You know, we've we've just seen like the perfect karmic kind of 50 with with the foul from Tarkovsky to to get that goal for Burnley on Mopaye, ironically enough, and that was a foul, absolutely a foul, and it was it wasn't given, and and they went one-nil up, and thankfully Potter and the team had the quality across all spectrums to get a win, and today, unfortunately, luckily for us, we got away with it, um, and I think that. Last season, we didn't really have that. We just kind of had all of the bad decisions with not yeah. many of the ones going our way. And the ones that did, we missed penalties. Um, speaking of which, Neil Mopai's penalty. Uh, two things I wanted to see today from Neil was hit the ball hard and don't do a dumb run-up. And he succeeded on both of those and scored, which I don't find to be a coincidence. Um, he looked, just just the look in his eyes, uh, you could tell he wasn't going to dick around this time. Um, and it wasn't exactly the greatest penalty. It was a nice height and it wasn't exactly in the corner, but it was good enough to get the goal. So Neil's at what, five or four for the season already?
2: Now you're asking a question. Uh, he is at pretty he's
1: pretty sure one of those. Is it? He may only be at three. Maybe I think I... that. I'm pretty sure it's at three because he got two and two and then... Yep, he did. Then
0: he got hurt, didn't he? And didn't play yeah. for a game. But three goals in five—well, three goals in four games, really, because he didn't play for part of one. Um, that conversation that you were talking about with Nunez and uh, Eduard and, and other players—I think, I mean, we even said during those transfer conversations: if we lose Neil, we're in trouble, and we need someone to compete with him at a decent level. And. We said that he was probably going to be good for 10 to 12 goals this season. I think we all agreed that he was probably going to be reverting to the mean, like you said, Adam, and, and mm. it seems to be exactly so. Um, it, was, it was a good pen. We, we took the lead and, and we didn't fall off. And I think that's the big thing. We didn't kind of sit back and, and worry about things because it was only 10 minutes of halftime. And it's something that we definitely have a tendency to do. Um, but once we scored, we kind of kept up the pressure there and we almost went ahead and, you know, it caused some more d- danger. Um, just after that, though, Basuma went down uh, about, I think it's about 41 minutes, so about four or five minutes after the uh, the, the goal itself. Basuma went down, definitely looked like a jarred knee of sorts, uh, looked tough, stayed down and was on the pitch for part of half time. I thought he wasn't going to come out. Was anybody shocked? Was anybody else shocked? Because I thought he was done. Yeah, I mean,
1: I, the full expectation, I think, of everyone was, you know, especially after the half-whistle went and he was still on the ground and sort of just collapsed to the ground again with, with attention. Um, I just hope he hasn't done any further damage if he is injured um, by playing on and continuing. Um, but, you know, you, 78 minutes out of him, let's just hope it's just a niggle as opposed to... Um, something that's more serious.
2: Well, we had Mwepu had his vest off. He was going to come on in the first half, so yeah, I think we all just sat around and went, okay, well let's, let's see let's see what Mwepu does. Fortunately, he came on later in the game, so his awful play was only limited. Um, but now I, I was I was shocked that that he came back out. but good for him, that shows that passion. He claimed he was the best midfielder in the league this week. Um, and who are we to say otherwise?
0: I like it, though. It's similar to the... Although I don't think he's at this low of a level. It's similar to those boxers, right? That like, are facing people like Fury or AJ or like Mike Tyson back in the day. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to beat him in two rounds. Like, I'm the best boxer on the planet. You know it's not. like You know he's going to get battered. And, and you know that Basuma is not the best midfielder in the league. He's not going to hold a candle to Kante and De Bruyne just yet, Bruno. But that kind of belief like oozes through him when you see him play. Like he genuinely does believe it. And mm-hmm. most weeks he is the best midfielder on the pitch. So he has a half decent argument on his day to say that he's just as good as anybody out there. Yeah, was a,
1: a bit of miscontext, wasn't it, as well in terms of BBC with a lot of clickbait there in terms of <laughs> it was funny just to see football Twitter have a complete meltdown because <laughs> Basuma has to tell himself he's the best to self-motivate, which is pretty much what it was.
2: And he's, he's, he's uh, just to drive that home, he's been so hard, but he's talked so much about how, how his game was weaker a year or even two years ago and how much Potter has helped him come on as a player. Um, so I think, yeah, as you say, taking a bit out of context, but good that he has the confidence and you could argue his importance to this club is 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 uh, right up there with, with any other player in the league and the importance to their club. Like Kante being out for Chelsea is impactful, but Pesuma being out for us is arguably more
0: impactful. Yeah, and and we saw that today with with Wepu not exactly being at his best, right? We we saw that, how dangerous it could be if we, we lose him. Um, I would probably rather see Jakub Moda in there than, than Basuma. Um, no, it's although, not close. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> um, the second goal, though, after halftime, I was particularly worried, similar to the way you said, we start slow. Um, I was expecting a Brendan Rogers thats side to come out all all guns plays in which they did last time we played them at one nil up at home i remember very distinctly how worrying that was the speed and 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 enthusiasm they came out with um five minutes in well one foul kind of far up on that right hand side decent free kick danny welbeck left wide open that's two terrible set piece defending in a row uh, and he pops it in the back of the net and and we're two 0 up and and we're off to the races i don't think i've seen a worse team defensively from set pieces since watching us last year <laughs> uh, as as Leicester today what what is going on there like he is not small so is not small Vestergaard is massive how And we asked these same questions when before. Dunk is big. Duffy's a big lad. Dan Burns, six foot seven. How are they being beat in the air? The question has to be, good. the Foxes fans have to be asking that same question because from what I can gather from the commentary, this isn't a one-off thing. This is something they've been struggling with for some time.
1: I I think in terms of just when when we were watching, I think Duffy's a a big lad of a man. And in terms of the problem is when you've got static zonal marking against someone that's got a run up on you is that Shane Duffy is going to out jump you if you're trying a static jump. Um with the first one with Vestergaard, and the second one is even worse because Vardy's on the front post there and you know he's he's about two or three foot away from Welbeck and he's not even looking at what's around him. So I guess that's that's the issue there for them. And I it, obviously Brendan Rogers wants to do that and wants to implement it in that way. But They've got some pretty bad teething issues if if they're going to continue to do that.
2: This game was not a shining example of how to defend set pieces. Uh, uh, that is pretty much it, really. I think, and and there are a lot of tall players on both teams uh, that looked rather embarrassing when when it comes to defending in that regard. This game, um, I, I think you could also loosely argue that. It's easy now in the way these balls get whipped in, that it's easy to attack a ball um, and, and get onto it in a, in a game than it is to actually just block people out and defend. We're seeing more and more goals from set pieces, especially from sides that have historically been a lot better at defending them. Um, so I guess we'll see how it, how it normalises throughout the season.
0: It was, uh, like I said, it was something they struggled with last year. They're struggling with it again. I think that's going to be the difference between them Going further at the table or staying whereabouts they are. I don't, I don't think they're going to struggle too greatly unless Europe really does do a number on them. Um, but the second half after that, you know, I think we may as well just talk about it all in one big bundled package. Um, two corners, two disallowed goals. Uh, Harvey Barnes, the culprit twice for being in an offside position and, and blocking uh, Sanchez's view for the goal. First things first. The goal for Jamie Vardy was one of the best goals I've seen in a long time against us, begrudgingly. Um that one touch football was just unbelievable. Let him have that, yep. <laughs> yep. I thought we were incredibly unlucky uh to to concede it too, because I thought we played really well and defended really well, and we were just picked apart by a superb piece of defending. Um the two goals, the two goals disallowed, I thought we were very lucky on both. Um I think that Barnes was offside and I understand that's the rule but i i can't remember the last time i saw that actually given especially twice in in a game um i think we got away with one massively there um that's all i have to say on it but there's a lot more i'm sure to unpack so either one of you what what did you make of uh i mean the vardy goal was great so i'm sure you'll both concur but the rest of it uh, pfft, I, I don't know how we got away with it
1: it's yeah i mean Yeah, concur on the goal. Obviously, the one touch football is unreal and one of the best goals I've seen in a while, period. Um, just the, the movement and the one twos were, were great. And there's not a lot you can do about that. It's just pinpoint. Um, I I think I'm in agreement with you in terms of there's, there's a lot of ways that we could look at this and dissect it. But um, again, from a sense of perspective side of things, if that happened to us and we got two offsides from exactly the same thing, you would obviously feel aggrieved. So I think from from that perspective and from that point of view, um, I sort of I understand the frustrations, of course, um, happening twice means that that just wasn't a one-off freak accident and that that was probably something that Harvey Barnes was told to do, um, in terms of the the linesman seeing it and whether he's actually full-on interfering with play or not, or within Sanchez's view. Um, the, I guess the perspective from the referee's point of view is that if you're in that vicinity and you're offside, then it's pretty clear cut. Um, I would feel aggrieved if it, if it went against us, but again, uh,
2: We'll take it. I mean, the the first one. You could argue that uh, Barnes actually fouled Sanchez to begin with. There was a lot of pushing and shoving there, and you can't really do that on the goalkeeper. Um, once you give the first one, you have to give the second one. Because how does the how do the officials come out after the game and then defend their decision making? Oh, we screwed up and we felt bad. We give the second one. So once they'd set that stance out, they had to deny it. The commentators made a really good point. Um, Leicester expected Brighton to have a man or two on the posts, which means Barnes isn't offside, which means he can do that all day and we're all good. Um, We didn't. Uh, And that's why he got flagged for it multiple times. The first one for me is more of a case that you could say uh, they shouldn't have had that goal. The second one was really, we got lucky on that one. But, it, you know, as we said, you had to give it because you gave the first one.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, I still think we got away with it, <laughs> but I, I, I can understand why they were given um, I look, a,
2: a team came on, a, a game ended last season. A team came on and scored a penalty after a game finished. So we'll take these.
0: <laughs> well, that's exactly right, right? Like, that's exactly how you were saying. It's nice to get some of that look reversal uh, for us. I'm sure that Brendan Rogers isn't happy. I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say after the game. Um, I did think it was worth noting that we actually did win the XG battle yeah. uh, today. Um, just about 1.63 to 1.48. Um Last season, we were the biggest beneficiaries alongside Manchester United with VAR decisions in terms of VAR noticing refereeing mistakes and overturning them in our favour. Um We seem to be doing a pretty good job of taking a lead there as well already this season by the lots of it, if uh, today is anything to go by with the penalty and then the, the two offside goals. Talking players... Who was it who stood out to you today? Who was it who disappointed you? Um, I think Duffy is definitely worth talking about immediately for me. He's slotted in across that back three. Just so comfortable. Doesn't matter if he's playing with Veltman. Doesn't matter if he's playing with Webster. Doesn't matter if he's playing with Byrne. He looks comfortable. He looks composed. I do think a large part of that is thanks to his partner, Lewis Dunk. I think that he doesn't get enough praise ever from from anybody that isn't a Brighton fan. Um, I think he he is the reason why these centre halves slot in and look so good. But once again two shots today uh he's both obviously from set pieces but that was joint most along with half of the front line really um but the man is just he he looks like a totally different player and i feel like i've said this three times already in five games but what an unbelievable turnaround he has had yeah
1: and you know in the what is the August team of the month as well, in terms of it's not it's not just us that's seeing it. it. You know, you're seeing a revitalized player that's enjoying this football again. Um so, you know, and that's that's down to him and that's down to the team. Um I think you're right in terms of Dunk always gets overlooked and it oh, I say overlooked, but he, he doesn't get enough credit for what he does for for that team. Um, you know, he's come out and said that they're the easiest team to, to captain and and bits and pieces, but you know. I will say it again in terms of just a broken record, but he makes everyone else look better around him. Um he's just that sort of player and that sort of captain. Um but for, for Duffy himself, yeah, I mean, it's like he it's like he's never left and in terms of had even had that spell. I'm I'm sure it's completely erased out of his memory. And I'm I'm glad he's not only just enjoying this football again, but having such a good impact that he's been a large contribution towards this good start.
2: Could you imagine what it'd be like if he played like he did at Celtic this year I think we, we probably have made bigger decisions different decisions in the transfer window especially from a, an outgoing loan standpoint at the bare minimum um because yeah burn prior to today obviously hadn't been out of play Webster out with a hamstring if duffy is playing crap you're you're in a bad spot so thank God he, he's come in good um massive massive difference it makes to the side uh in, in terms of players who played well who disappointed in, in addition to Duffy I think we have to talk about Kukureya in more depth because he was outstanding today uh really really direct forward thinking played some fantastic passes uh and you just would have loved uh, well Welbeck and Mopey to have run on those a little bit better they'll get used to that they're not used to some of those killer passes coming through from, from the left side necessarily and that's no disservice to March um I thought Welbeck was outstanding today. Um, outside of the goal, tons of uh, pressure he put on players. A great runs he made. He was a really good outlet from the back. Um, he came back at the start of the second half. He came back and made a really vital interception in, in our own box. So he was energetic, lively. He was for me. He was he was top notch for what you'd hope to get out of Welbeck.
0: I think, and I know I texted you both during the game. It's it sounds ridiculous even now to say it, but it's only been a week. But he just looked half a yard quicker. The thing that stood out to me last week against Brentford was he didn't look particularly quick. And today he looked rapid. And Leicester are generally pretty fast across the entire pitch. So, like, just that extra week of just getting used to the style of the game, getting used to the pace of it. And you could tell, like, just, just the tiniest inches, you know, make a big difference for him. You Those could be passes, talking about
2: Cuckoo or Welbeck here, by the way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, those passes, he looked, he looked very good playing the ball last week, but they looked just a little bit off the pace. Like they were just a little bit behind or a little bit too far in front today. They were exactly where you'd want them. There was a couple of times there where I thought if Mopai touches that once, just once better, he's getting a free shot on goal. Um, and like you said, they'll get used to that. That's something that I don't think is going to go away. Um, and honestly, to be a wing back in a Potter side, you must be having so much fun, like just being able to go ahead and do the side of things that you're doing as a as a wing back for Graham. It, it's not a coincidence that a player like him, who was very well scouted amongst the very top sides across Europe, not so much England, from what I can gather from the journals, but you know, across Europe, there was a lot of teams very interested in Kukurea, and it speaks volumes as to how exciting it is to be a part of that squad right now i mean i'll yeah like
1: you said he's, he's having a field day and like he looks so good today i mean he's very close and we'll talk about man of the match and stuff like that but you know just the ability today like his crossing is great like takes on the players um like just really creates that space and again when we we talk about so heavily focused on that right-hand side it gives him acres of space out on the left and you saw it a couple of times in the first half where he did have that space and then obviously the experience last week with Brentford with Welbeck and Kukurea being on that left-hand side they've obviously built on that relationship and that experience of last week because they did both look better together on the left um as a whole um so it's exciting, you know, and then you obviously we we touched on the prospect of of Lampty on the other side as well. It's just um looks like such a good acquisition, and I think you know I'm very, very happy
2: I hate to be the side that has to face both of them fit next game, you know but and they're 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 what twenty three years old and twenty years old hmm. uh, you've gotta be excited by that,
0: yeah, and I think it's worth talking about you know while like uh outrun in the in the chat says that while things have been tight and stressful at the end of matches last season to so this season with duncan duffy back there it really quells those fears and i think that you all i mean even the commentary i think noticed that right they were like oh we're back to the duncan duffy we talked about two or three years ago as to how solid they were and although they didn't look particularly solid at those set pieces uh generally you know when 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 they were flinging balls into the box at the end I didn't think we were going to concede from any of those. That the corners, different story. That that was worrying. But when they were just spraying balls into the box, hoping for something to drop, uh, nothing's going to drop when it's hitting Shane Duffy's head. It's you know, it's off. It's gone. It's you know, it's more likely to enter the halfway line than it is to to drop to you in the box for a shot. Um, I yeah, I think defensively we're we're starting to show those things. And I, I tweeted it today that we were. Last season, we were the worst team in the league for dropping points from winning positions. And today was a real test to see if we really had made the progress we thought we had. We were beating teams around us that we were drawing against and the other one was dropping points from winning positions. And although we got away with it a little bit, clearly it's worked out because I think we are becoming more and more the real deal. I think that we've we've shown that. Big point as well, Robert Sanchez. uh, No wild passes today. Was slightly more direct. Don't get me wrong because he didn't have as much of the ball. But the passes he did play out into defense were very calm, very collected. He still had 33 touches of the ball. So it wasn't like he was total anonymous kind of one-point direct player. Yeah,
2: he was man-marking... Barnes wasn't he? So uh, uh, <laughs> I, I, the, I don't think there's a better centre back pairing in the league than Duncan Duffy at defending last ditch. They just throw their body at the ball constantly, and, and as you say, outside of the set pieces, you don't really worry. Like it's just this bread and butter for them. Okay, fling the ball in, we're going to head it out. I don't care. And then we've got Dan Burns sat at the back on the left side, all eight feet of them. Do that all day. I don't. I don't want low slung direct through ball through balls coming in or low to the ground like that's what we don't want so yeah you can swing crosses in high all day that's fine
1: I mean that's that's pretty much it isn't it and it there's nothing more fun to watch other like either in terms of just Duffy and Dunk throwing themselves on the floor and um, just it's just speaks to obviously the the commitment and what they're doing um but yeah, it's also just, it's lovely to watch as well. It's just, it's just really
2: yeah. fun. Well, he, you can see Duffy enjoys it as well. Like he was bringing a yeah. crowd up at the end as well. Like that's, we didn't have that last year. There was no fucking crowd and there was no Duffy. <laughs>
0: that's, yeah, that's also true. He, did, he didn't have anyone to motivate at Celtic. That's uh, certainly, right, yeah, certainly Even, the
2: even with the fans potentially, the way they were blank. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, one thing to touch on, because some of the stats have loaded in a bit better for me here. Uh, the play through the left. Adam, just to justify that that uh, that observation there, basic eye test stuff, but absolutely correct. Kukaria uh, had 73 touches today at the ball. Uh, next best was Veltman with 57. Um, I mean, what more is there to be said? Uh, third most, Adam Lallana. Haven't talked about him yet. Um, he made some good movements today. The, the, I mean, he almost got himself an absolute beauty of a goal with the, uh, the, yeah. the shot. Yeah. Um, he seems to be fine at his feet, doesn't he? In that in that dif- kind of more defensive maneuver, uh in terms of, you know, dealing with, with players defensively. Uh he matched Besuma today. Uh stat for stat almost both came away with four successful tackles, both came away with three interceptions. Uh Lalana came through with one shot, one blocked shot, and Bissouma had four clearances, especially towards the end. But mostly, you know, it, it Two or three weeks ago, we talked about how we lost the midfield battle and Lalana was one of the big reasons for that simply due to the more lightweight you know, build of him. Today, it didn't look like we were losing the mid- midfield battle at all and he's the same player he was two weeks ago. I think, again, he's 33 years old, but that wealth of experience is obviously shining through. He's a, he's a natural leader as well, it just in terms
1: of just what he brings to he gives like a sense of calm in the middle almost in terms of just the touches that he has and, and the, I guess the vision that he has as well. Um, He's able to just calm things down a little bit and then pass through. Um, I thought he was great today. Um, I think in terms of Basuma is always the one that we focus on in terms of he's the man of the match, otherwise something else. But I I thought Lallana was great today. Showed a bit of tenacity as well in terms of just, putting himself about a little bit. Um, obviously, with his injury record and stuff, that's contentious. But he, he, in terms of being committed and dedicated and breaking things up, I thought, he, I thought he was great today.
2: He made a couple of really important interceptions as well. So it wasn't just about funneling the ball through and, and facilitating play. Um, he broke up play, like, as you said, Josh. He made a couple of really nice tackles. He, he intercepted Tiedemans a couple of times and, and created some really nice opportunities. He should have buried that shot that he had. Uh, he, he really shit. That was it. That was our first big chance, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, the, the the collective quality of the team today, I think, was a difference from what we've seen in some of the other games, as you said. I, I don't really, outside of maybe some of the substitutions and, and perhaps even Basuma will give him the credit because of the injury. Uh, I think every everyone played very well today. Uh, There really wasn't a a downside, in my opinion, in in the team. But I also think we've seen that in terms of some of the statistics that will collectively from the group over the, the game plan. I think this is from Albion Analytics. We've had seven different goal scorers this year so far. Um, And we've had a 38% shot accuracy, 14% conversion rate. It's just been a collective rising up of a group of players that are more comfortable playing around each other. We haven't brought in 18 new faces and they're playing in a system that they're more comfortable with. We're less reliant necessarily on on a single individual just carrying us over the line.
0: Yeah. I I mean, yeah, that's, I think everybody was saying it too, weren't they? I think at the start of the season, even people who are just like, you know, the big, pundits that never watch us play yeah they all they all said the same thing and and the fact that they could see it spoke volumes we needed goals from more areas than just a striker and we're getting them you know with what more can you ask for with that's a lot that's a lot of different goal scorers over the course of the first five games of the season um man of the match who we're going for adam we'll start with you Enoch and Weppu, no. Um, <laughs> and we will touch on him after the man of the match. I want to get the, the good first. <laughs>
2: uh, there's a case to be made here, I think, for... You could make a case for Basuma for playing through. Wasn't at his best today, but clearly he made a commitment to, to put his body on the line for this team. That's commendable. Uh, you could make a case for Kukurea. Outstanding. You've said Duffy. Trossar, very strong today. Very good. Created obviously the second goal. Um, I I go back to Welbeck for me. I thought he re he led the line really, really well from the left-hand side. He was a great outlet. He tracked back well. Um, he's he's my pick.
1: Uh, I think the case for Kukarea is strong for me. I think just in terms of what he did today, his vision, how much better he was compared to last week, his link up play with Welbeck and the rest of the team. Um, yeah, I think. It's very hard for me to look past Kukurea. Um Again, Basuma is obviously the shoe in most times. I think he battled really, really well through that injury, but it did have an impact on him in the second half. I just, I, I hope it's not an injury.
0: Yeah, I think I think he's going to be okay. I don't think they'd have risked him in that second half. No, uh, if he's too important and they know he is, I think they would have rather have just risked it without him. I think we would have got lot. I think we would have got beat without him. Uh, honestly, um, if we'd have brought on Webu that early, for me though, I, I'm going to go with. I'm not going to go with Kukureya. I did. I thought he was superb, and that's only a second game at 23 years old in the Premier League. Like what? Like that is. There is going to be a day that 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 we see him and Lampsey line up on each side of the pitch and it may well be a week from now uh against the scum up the road and that could be a very very fun monday afternoon uh, but leandro trossard for me i'm going to give it to him um not just for his performance today because i thought he was i thought he was the difference between a draw and a win today i thought he created more than anybody else he just looks so comfortable on the ball nowadays. His ball retention in that final third has just came on volumes since uh, since last year, and I think that was one of the things he really struggled with. Um, the assist was great. The free kicks were great. The corners—he's improved massively on corners just in the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, I feel like last season when we didn't play Gross and Trossard was taking corners, it was back to never beating the first man. This time, they're they're very good. I think that. Obviously, Bissima is always up there, like you said. Uh, But I think that injury did affect him a little bit and he was slightly less active in that second half. But for me, I'm going to give it to Leandro. I thought he was superb. And I think more so just seeing the sheer amount of progress he's made in a space of last season to this as well has helped that.
2: I don't think you could really argue against any of the choices. So I, I'm sure you asked other people the, and they would have another, another name that we also couldn't argue with. And that's, that's that quality of, of the depth and the performance as a whole. Um, I, the, the the one downside to the Basuma injury. And I, I also want to say that that, that Leicester goal was amazing. The, the one touch football, the cross from Tiedemanns was astounding. And that's the difference when you play a quality side, it, Watford don't score that goal. They do not get anywhere near to it. Um, Basuma did not get out to Tielemans quick enough for me in that goal there. And I think if he was fit and his knee was working well, I don't think that ball gets crossed in. And that's those fine margins there where you sort of, that's the only slight knock and that that injury did impact him.
1: Yeah, the, again, what what you mentioned earlier, Adam, just in terms of, I don't think anyone had a bad game. I think everyone played really well. So you know, there's it's obviously a conversation about multiple man of the matches. I think that's the first time we've all chose someone different. So well, no one that started had a bad
0: game. <laughs> yes, and let's talk about Enoch Murphy, because I was very high on him when we signed him. The stats were just superb from from Salzburg, and of course, there's a big jump from from the Austrian league to to the Premier League, but. I think today was the first day. He looked tired that first game. He looked like he was not quite Premier League fit yet. But today was really the only negative for me was was Mwepu, obviously outside of the Pissouma injury. But I think he's going to be okay, so I'm not really going to include that. Um, he just doesn't look anywhere near ready at this level. Um, I, it was only 15, 20 minutes, I think, but his his general reading of the game, his positioning, especially in the central midfield, you know, his everything about it, it looked just not great. He looked hurried, he looked nervous, he looked antsy when he got on the ball, especially defensively. And that just made it even scarier watching it, because I was already like, you know, shitting myself. I, I didn't need to see that every couple of minutes when he got on the ball. And I'm sure he will come good. You know, the stats don't lie. He's clearly a great player and he will get better. And we're just talking, today I'm talking about Leandro Trossard being man of the match and the progress he's made and it's took him two years to do so. These things don't happen overnight. But today was the biggest sign for me that he is he is not ready yet.
1: You give him 90 minutes against Swansea, don't you? I mean, in terms of just the, the experience of playing within that team and I think you're spot on, Josh, in terms of it takes a while to get used to this system and the versatility of how we play. That, you know, he comes in 15 minutes, a couple of clumsy challenges, gives away a free kick in a, quite a dangerous area. Didn't really do anything um, to, to help or uh, sort of take the pressure off. Um, but again, like you said, time, time is of the essence. He needs to get used to it. He needs some experience within that team. And I think giving him 90 minutes at Swansea is probably the best thing for him.
2: He, seemed to, he's, he falls into that trap that we see a lot of players that come in from, from other leagues where they take too long on the ball. Um, and they're not used to that pace. Uh, get the ball, get it out straight away. And he, every time he got a touch on the ball, I got nervous. Same as you, so I was like, I'll, I'll just, just kick, kick it out. You know. And he wouldn't. He would hold on to it, and someone would get the ball off of him. The plus side is he made a, a couple of actually really nice passes, and we've seen that for, from him in friendlies in the preseason. We made a couple of really nice through balls. He created a goal against one of the oppositions in, in, in one of our friendlies. So that's the good side of him. I think it was, and this is where I'll, I'll say one bad thing about Potter. That was a questionable sub for me against when we start to lose the onus, we start to go into defensive mode and you take off Solly March and, and bring on a guy who's clearly not quite there yet, who's more attack minded. Um, I thought that was a weird one for me.
0: Yeah, I think if you're looking at the bench, why is Alzate not coming on instead?
2: He's lost belief in him, is not he? Quite a lot feels that way
1: i don't think feels i don't think moda was on a he was still on the bench when he came on as well i thought moda would be a shoe in to to come on and be able to do everything that we needed him to do um yeah i you're absolutely right i i would have expected moda to come on in that instance rather than uh, and weppu
0: yeah yeah it was a, it was a strange one um, I think you're. I think you've smashed it though, Greg. He needs to get ninety minutes against Swansea. No win, lose or draw doesn't matter. That ninety minutes is going to be. And if he did have COVID, even more so. I know he had that COVID quarantine, but some of them didn't have it or asymptomatic, whatever. If he did have it with any symptoms, he needs to get game time as quickly. So don't as
2: don't as bring as him on then though. in a really important game in the second half. Is is the yeah. counterpoint there? Like don't put yeah, don't no, bring him right. on. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, he he needs he needs the playing time.
0: Yeah, he does. Um, But I mean, overall, superb. What more can you ask for? Uh, We are sitting third in the table as it stands with Tottenham and Chelsea currently nil-nil at time of recording. They're about to go into half-time. The big one next, Palace away. (laughs) They were utterly routed by Liverpool yesterday. Um, I watched some of that back. Uh it was quite tight for most of the game, but it wasn't really tight, if you know what I mean? Like it was they, they did good at holding them back, but they didn't particularly do a great deal themselves for a large kind of stretches of the game. Um This is one of those games last season we absolutely lose. And or draw at best, um, despite being massively better. We're already on twelve points from five another win here is going to start getting people's ears very perked up in terms of what we're doing. 15 points from six games, you know, we're over a third of the way to safety. We are with six games played. Um, And it's not like our following fixtures are too mental. You know, we have Norwich shortly after we have Arsenal as well. Um, You know, these are not teams that are flying high until we run into city and Liverpool back to back after that. But,
2: well City below us on the table they're not doing much. That.
0: <laughs> That's true. Um what what are we hoping for here? Uh generally my rule is away from home hope for a draw. But with what we're doing so far I feel like I can't really justify that and not want to win. And it obviously even more so being against who we're playing.
1: Well, it's just the form book goes out the window for these type of games doesn't it as well. In terms of you know we're looking good. They've had an okay start given you know new manager, pretty much a brand new team. Um so we as long as we play our game i think being proactive rather than reacting and i think we, we should be able to take our game and how we play to them and sort of just play our game that's that's all we can ask for at this point i guess um you know as you said win at home draw away you know that that tends to be the the game plan but um i think we can do some damage but uh like i said the <laughs> These, these sort of games don't follow the rule book. Um, so well, we'll have to see. I think last season playing them at home was one of the most frustrating games I've ever seen in my life. So it, it, you don't really know what these games are going to throw up.
2: I think the next week is going to be really telling and the way Potter plans and preps for this game, because firstly, hopefully Basuma's okay. Changes everything if he can't play. Um the other part is then if we go back to the conversation we had a little bit earlier, what do you do with the personnel you potentially have available to you? Because you could come out with that Cucurella Lamptey wingback setup, or you could go with something a little bit more tried and tested, um, which you would you would potentially imagine would happen. But we know Potter is, likes to surprise. That's, that's kind of his thing. I would love to see us come out on the front foot here and really take the game to them. But this is a game where you have to win it, as you say. Like, think how we can't really get more on cloud nine than we are already. But th- if there's a way to do it, it's winning this game, uh, and that is that would be massive, massive. The only, I think, the only cloud in the sky at the moment is the fact that fucking Moyes brought on Mark Noble. Take a penalty and shank it in the 95th minute, or we would have gone second today. That is a, f- a fun problem for us to have.
0: And I think to add to that piece, you know, Manchester City and Chelsea play each other next week, someone's going to be dropping points, if not both. Say they think, take a think
2: about what you're saying there. We're worried about Man City and
0: Chelsea dropping points. I mean, at that point, though, say, say they say they draw next week, they're on 11 points each, which means they can't you know, we've then got a game in hand on them with Palace that weekend. Uh doesn't really matter what Man United and Liverpool do at that point. They can win, draw, lose, whatever at their Manchester United and Liverpool. If we were to win, we're looking at bare minimum being third. Best case scenario, we're top after six games. <laughs> I'll just say it. We're top after six games. Uh, with Arsenal to come. Where do you go from there? Because people are going to get very carried away. If we win next week and results go our way, even though it's only six games in, and I do buy into the 10 games in the table is when you start really seeing the reality of the situation. But at that point, we're still only four games away. Would one of them be in Norwich from looking at what that table looks like and we're liable to be top eight?
1: I mean, it's it's a nuts conversation even to fathom, isn't it? In, In terms of just... It's such a good start and it, it bodes really well for us because we do play with a, a confidence in terms of keeping the ball, being confident in our actions, and a good start definitely helps us with our game plan. Five first, like the five, first five minutes of every game aside, you know, we, we can play with assurance and, and comfortability. So it, it's going to help us push for more points because you start to lose a couple of games straight at the start and then all of a sudden you don't have that confidence to kick on. Um, a good start is just, yeah, it's the best start that we, could, we couldn't we could even ask for it. So, you know, what we want to see now is obviously the next couple of games. Take it to Palace, see what we can do. Um, and then you've got a couple of games until the, the big fixtures sort of come in, shall we say.
2: Look, we we know that this is going to be a transient moment in time. Uh, I, I, I don't think we're under any illusions that Brighton are going to finish in the Champions League positions, but let's have fun while it's happening and, and, and let's continue. that. The, the number one priority for us is, is secure safety. Like Let's get number one out of the way. Let's get the points there. Let's win the games we should be winning. Uh, let's steal points from sides, if you want to call it that, for, that are arguably better teams, quote-unquote. These games like Leicester three points from this game is stunning. We should have been, I think we should beat Burnley. We should beat Watford. Like we should beat Brentford. Let's keep doing those things. If we lose against these bigger sides, as long as it doesn't, it's not just a long-term thing. Let's just take each game as it comes. It's cliched, but let's, let's deal with the fact that let's get the points. We need to stay safe. Then let's work on moving our way further up the top of the second half of the table. And then let's see if we can break into that top 10 area that, we can't, can't be disappointed no matter how this goes in that direction
0: after the fact. I think here's a question in the chat. With nine wins being our best in the Premier League, that we pass that before the winter break? Now, like you said, just have fun with how it is. Five games between now and the winter break that are very much Palace, Norwich, Aston Villa, Newcastle, Leeds, Southampton, Brentford at home why can't we take six more it's very much possible and here's the big question i want to ask and this is this is the this is the realistic kind of like question to ask to add to this right like say we do say we get seven or eight before the christmas break say we beat norwich palace and one or two others and we're sitting mid-table at worst top eight at best like to be kind of conservative about it what does the conversation look like when it comes to Bissouma and a new contract at that point. Do you think those conversations get dialed up a notch from the Albion perspective of like, look at what we're doing. Here's more money than we should probably be paying you realistically from a what we can afford point of view to keep you. Do you think that that progress in the first half of the season, do you think that dictates how much we go in for him in the January window to try and get him to sign a new contract before he gets to that one year point? or do you think it doesn't change anything at all? Uh, it, it helps the negotiation. Uh, you, you
2: have to sign him to a longer term contract regardless uh, because we, we don't want to lose him uh, for 20 million because he's got one year left on his contract. Um, I think we've we've seen in the last few months that gentlemen's agreements between owners and players don't always end up the way they, they arguably should. Um, but you would hope that given his passion for this club, given that he is not necessarily in a position where he's frustrated, and as to your point, that the side is on the up and up, sign the contract. The worst case scenario is you, you stay with a team that you love and an area you love that is, is going places. Best case scenario, in his mind, potentially, is you move to a Champions League side and the, and the club gets paid for
1: what you're worth. Yeah, spot on. I hate, yeah, it, it needs to happen irrespective of where we are in the table. It's just, will it help? You know, if we are, you know, and sitting there in that sort of 10th, 11th spot halfway through the season, of course it is. I mean, you know, the guy obviously will have personal aspirations as well. But like Adam said, he loves the city, loves the club. Like, you know, if, if it gets to a point where it's you sign the contract so that we get more money for you, I'm, I'm sure that's something that, um, You know, maybe he wouldn't mind doing, or maybe, you know, he does feel that it's the best time to move.
0: It can't
1: hurt. It can't
0: hurt. No. And he's just, he's only just turned 25 as well, which (sighs) is worth noting. You know, he could sign another three year deal with us and not reach his prime in an Albion shirt. He, I I think personally, if we do continue in this rich Vayner form, albeit only five games in, if we do continue to win the games we should be looking to take points from, we will be sitting pretty in that kind of top ten, top eight. And I, I personally do think they may well go into overdrive a little bit um, in terms of, of trying to keep the sumer. David P just a really <laughs> yeah, good David
2: P just care. made me nervous. Uh, I was really happy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be more worried about us losing Potter based on our good performances. David, uh, you're not wrong, um, but when you look at like here's here's a counterpoint to that to try and keep it positive because that's a worrying thought. If we are in that top ten, top eight, who is there that's going to lose their job in between then and now that could tempt Graham to come in and start that project fresh. Nicol Arteta their- next. Really, really think that he would want to go to Arsenal? Uh, It's a genuine question. Like, without it's not, it's not so much, uh, it's not so much bigging us up as it is downing Arsenal. Would you, would you want to, as a manager who's put a lot of work into this project in the Premier League, want to move to a team solely for money, really? Because that's what it's going to be because this team is poorly run behind the scenes, you probably won't be able to bring your recruitment chap in. You probably won't be able to get that kind of say in the structure. You are essentially given what you're given. And if you make it great, if you don't, you're still not going to get anything. Like even if you do make it, you're not going to get anything better. Like it's just going to be like, cool, you did what we wanted you to do. See you next year. That's all you get. And given the money that's just been spent, it's not like he gets a whole transfer kitty to spend either. He's being told once again to do the best with what he's got in a team that are so much more toxic than and just so much more poorer run. And the other names on there Zisco, he's not going to Watford. Steve Bruce, he's not going to Newcastle. Vieira, he's certainly ain't going to Palace. He's not going to Wolves. You know Southampton. No, none of those top teams that are genuinely going to take a look at him are going to be firing their manager anytime soon. I think the only one that you could talk about is Nuno, and that's the only one that would worry me.
2: Well, Josh Pep is only signing. what is he's walking away after the 2022 season, <laughs> uh, so if he wants to play for the fourth place side in the Premier League uh, or manage the fourth place side, he could. He could do. It. I, I think I agree with you, right? But there, there's always the fact that people have certain ambitions. There are, Arsenal is a brand. Arsenal is an international entity that you could ask anyone pretty much in the world and they recognize who Arsenal are. Um, and there's always the fact that a manager can look at that job and think, I can become the next Arsene Wenger. Uh, and, and that's appealing. And he gets to bring in a different, let's say, let's be fair, a different caliber of player to that team purely from a money perspective it's a london club people want to move and play for 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 arsenal if they're if they're going places but to david's point you know uh, could we be worried about losing potter yeah because we were worried about losing last year and we didn't have a particularly good season uh this is the problem you want to have uh because if we're having this problem it means we've blown the ceiling off of expectations and we as a fan base are happy uh I'd rather that than the alternative, and be a Nottingham Forest fan firing Chris Hughton because they're imploding. You
0: know, and and yeah, I mean, I think those Forest problems go a lot deeper than Chris. Uh, I think I think he may well have had his time. Personally, looking, I couldn't at see
2: the forest time, for the trees, but... could they?
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I think Sorry. I think there's I think there's a bigger problem at Forest. I think that was their fifteenth manager in ten seasons. It's not a way to run a football club. Yeah. You know. yeah.
1: I got, Craig, I what do you think? I could see him going to Ireland, um, in, in terms of Chris Hughton. Maybe he'll do a national job before he, before he you know, hangs up his his boots, shall we say? But um, yeah, I mean, from a Forest perspective, I think it's it's clear that you know that it doesn't stem from the manager there. It's it's from much higher up in their in their hierarchy. Um, but from from a Potter perspective, I think you're right. I mean, we're we're talking about a manager and a head coach that wants to do things his way and have responsibilities around the club. And the further up the pyramid, shall we say that you go the the higher sort of classification of club, the less control he's going to have in terms of what he can and can't do. So being able to spend two to two and a half now, three years here, being able to do things the way he wants to do it, bring in the players that he wants to see come in um, with albeit lower expectations than maybe most like I guess the higher up clubs in terms of Champions League, um, you know, he has a say here, and obviously he's doing something that's incredible because we're now sitting on twelve points from five games. Um, I I would be worried um, in terms of where he goes, but I I don't see him moving to another English club though. Uh, I but this is so, this is
2: so good. Think about the conversation that is being had here. Th- think about the past managers that we've had. And and where they're at in terms of credibility at the moment. I mean, Gus. Gus was amazing, but didn't I think he's just on his eighteenth job in the past few years? I think he just got fired from a team in
0: Chile. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was. Uh, I think he's very much an Alan Kirbishley type manager. He had his time at Charlton slash Brighton. Yeah. And he never quite found his way after that. It was one of those things where he just struck gold at the time he did and it never quite happened again for gus
2: and right and, right, and great that he struck gold with us and that's and that's wonderful right. he'll always be a part of this club's history on on the on the ascendancy um, whether the
0: club like it or
2: not whether the club like it or not <laughs> and that, the latter being being true uh, check out your old podcast where you interviewed him which was fascinating yeah. um but you know you look at we've talked about chris hip Pierre and Garcia and I mean come on like the fact that the fact that we've got a, a manager who is who is has a level of credibility where the top other managers in the league look at him and, and they have clearly a profound level of respect we've got pundits around the world basically saying that the, the, the style of Potter's football is such that he's going to be ready for one of these top tier jobs in the future amazing let's take that because you could say that maybe 30 percent of fans and teams in this league are are completely happy with their manager, and we're one of them.
0: And I think, smartly or not, I think it also benefits us that Graham, and I'm personally I don't think it's smart because it's not ruthless enough, Graham clearly has a lot of emotion when it comes to moving. He was very much not keen on moving to Brighton from Swansea because he was genuinely genuine about building a prod project at Swansea with shit owners. And yet he still was very, very clear about the fact that he didn't, he wasn't clean on moving. He was good where he was. He was genuinely happy there. Mm-hmm. And like I said, rightly or wrongly for him in his kind of sense, because he could go to a top job almost whenever he wants it. If he continues in this vein, I think that is also going to come in. And that's where the arsenal point comes in, right? Like, for, for 90% of managers, yeah, of course they'll go to Arsenal. Like, what a massive paycheck to get. What a massive boost in reputation to get. For Graham, and specifically Graham, that's why I'm not so sure it's as black and white as most managers, rightly or wrongly, for his paycheck and bank balance. I think he is genuinely emotionally invested in that development. And when you've got people around him like Ashworth and Bloom who are so clearly behind him throughout the bad as well. He's Not, not many that. people like Bloom that you work under. They really aren't. <laughs> right. And they, he isn't going to forget that. He's, he's not going to forget the fact that, you know, he'd had like 13 games without a win or whatever it was and almost matched our worst ever streak. And Bloom <laughs> said, There's no, you're not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Like that stuff doesn't get forget, forgotten. It does by most managers. We're lucky enough to have one that doesn't forget stuff like that. Um, And I think that's my reason why I'm not as worried as I I could be because I think that we are dealing with a manager that not just on the pitch, but in behind the scenes as a, as a person is different from most. And we're very, very lucky to have that. Uh, Let's
2: not forget people calling for his head. As you mentioned, North, North stand chat polls galore uh, last year. Uh, I mean, come on, Anyway, I think you're right. There's only one job where I'll be okay with him leaving. And that's when Gareth Southgate hands in his notice <laughs> and he gets the England job. Then I'll be okay with that.
0: I, you say it, but I'm, I, if you if you asked me what the odds were of seeing Graham Potter in an England coach's jacket in the next 10 years, I'd say it was very good odds, genuinely. Like, I wouldn't be shocked at all. If he was to, Go from us in a couple of years' time and go to a Spurs or a not quite a Liverpool because I don't think they'd probably go for him, but they want bigger names. But, you know, he goes for a Spurs. He goes to a Leicester even. He goes to someone like that and does something special with them. I I won't be at all surprised if he's England manager. He's every, he's everything England could want in a manager. The sp- same way as Southgate in terms of that media stuff, but he's actually talented.
2: And maybe Dunn could finally get a game.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe. He
2: be, he'd be long retired at that point. Maybe he could be a coach. Uh, I, I'm fi- final quick question on this, because I think this is a really good point from David. Who do you think Pep would recommend to the Man City ownership group if he stepped away after the ne- next season? Because I think Potter would be a name on that list.
0: I'm I know not- it sounds
2: silly, but he he loves
0: him. No, uh, after after seeing what he says... Uh, explicitly to the media, it's that is scary because there's no way he turns that down, no way in a million years. Doesn't matter how much emotional investment he's got. It, Manchester City, like, yeah, okay, like, up. Oh,
2: well, he could afford to buy Bessemer, then, couldn't he? he
0: could, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not think about that potential yeah, anyway. because that
0: is that is genuinely. I think that I think you're right. I think his name would be on probably a rather long list, but I think he his name would very much be one of them, which is astounding to say. I think even if we finish in the bottom half of the next two seasons his name's on that list.
2: Yeah.
1: But ah. Oh. What what a crazy conversation. Just the yeah. in terms of, especially, you know, Adam reeling off the list of previous managers. He go back even further with, you know, Russell Slade and being <laughs> being disappointed we didn't get Jim Gannon at one point. Like it you know this is <laughs> these are the these are the good issues that we have in terms of oh are we going to lose our best centre mid for 60, 70 million pounds? Are we going to lose probably the best manager that, that we've had to date? Um, you know, and we're sitting pretty in what, third place at the moment after five games? What a start.
0: Shrugging off a 50 million pounds and a half. <laughs> but... Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and, is, and the, 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 the kitty is not empty. It's so the other good news. We continue, again, what are we? Middle of September right here. We're getting ahead of ourselves. We've mentioned this before. If if things, if you go through a little bit of a sour patch, uh, we have money to spend in January. That's not the end of the world. So th- there's so many positives we could draw at the moment and
0: that they outweigh the negatives by a country mile. This could be a very, very different podcast this time on a Monday afternoon. Um, next well, we'll week, just take all
2: this back if they leave. Uh, yeah,
0: we'll just delete the episode. Um, I, th- I think that you know, next week, I think as long as it doesn't end the way that uh, it ended at home last year, I don't think there's going to be too much reasons for the sadness.
2: I've got some terrible news for you, unfortunately, though, as we've been talking. Well, we've slipped to fourth position because uh, Chelsea just scored against Tottenham. Uh, so, you know, the dream is
0: over. <laughs> we have to we have to qualify for the champions league as it stands it's okay we'll beat yeah, yeah. whatever gibraltar premier league team we have to play <laughs> <laughs> all right boys uh, if there's nothing else i think we've covered a lot of ground today um if you have anything else say it now otherwise we will uh, we will chat next week late late on a monday afternoon uk time very late and uh, still kind of right after work for us so
2: mm. That's it. Let's let's hope we are as ecstatic on the next podcast as we are now.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, feel, it definitely feels good, doesn't it? Like it's just especially straight after the game as well. Just overwhelming positivity. So long may it continue.
0: I do worry as to how out of hand it could get if we beat Palace next week. Um, <laughs> it will be, uh, be interesting to see how these podcasts go going forward. But I'd like to I'd like to see that. Mm. Yeah,
1: me too. It's a big if as well. Um, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say any more on that without jinxing it.
0: Yeah. All right, boys. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Uh, the NFL is about to try and shit on my happiness, uh, but we'll, we'll go from there. Um, I,
1: I'm with you, Josh. Don't worry, we're in it together.
0: <laughs> yep. All right, boys. Have a wonderful rest of your week, uh, and we will be back next week, obviously, to discuss Palace and also the the League Cup midweek. Swansea. So, Posse's awesome. revenge game. <laughs>
1: Cheers. All right, so have a
0: good
1: one. See you later.